Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. We're so glad that you're with us again this week. We are, I guess, roughly a quarter of the way through the legislative session, both on the the Gregorian calendar and on the uh, legislative calendar. And so we'll talk a little bit about where things stand now that uh, now that we've passed that first uh, committee deadline, and we're also just a few days away from a statewide election on a state question this is the i think the first time anywhere in the country that marijuana as an issue has appeared on a dedicated ballot without any other issues or candidates on that ballot which makes i think trying to uh, estimate turnout much more of a challenge than it would be for a normal election i think one of the questions is how many of the people that want to vote for increased marijuana usage will have been using marijuana at the time of the election Oh, like you mean like at that time of day? Yeah. Or like, are you are the people that really want to pass it too stoned to come out and vote? That's uh, that's a fair question. We'll see. Uh, that uh, voice you hear, of course, is my co-host and friend, Doctor Scott Melson. Hello, sir. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm well. Thanks for joining me again today. Um, we're here in the uh, Democracy Den in downtown Oklahoma City. Um, our first time to have a board meeting down here it was kind of cozy. It was. It was, it was nice. Uh, had some uh, some tasty bagels, good conversation, uh, planning the, the future of democracy in Oklahoma. Tasty bagels was my nickname in college. Where's uh, Wendy Rimshot there? That's oh yeah, that's <laughs> uh, not as good as uh, what was the one we said the other day? The um, uh, Chuck McCall and the sloppy draft sloppy drafters. <laughs> that's so good. We uh, uh. That, listeners, you're listening to inside jokes now. Scott and I were texting with uh, a couple of friends about some legislation. I think it was the voucher bill. It was the voucher bill. That's from, not a voucher bill, but really is a voucher bill. Right from last week. There's some potential legal problems with it that I think uh, several of us uh, have noticed, <laughs> and and we were we were debating whether or not this was intentional and someone suggested it was sloppy drafting. And I said, that sounds like a good band name. Like <laughs> Chuck McCall and the sloppy drafters. And and I said, we should absolutely make t-shirts, but we haven't yet. Yeah, no, we do have new t-shirts though. If you go to our website right now, Scott and listeners go to let's fix this.org. Uh, you'll see a pop-up window that prompts you to go view our new, I've called it a spring collection cause I'm fancy, but really it's, a couple of T-shirts, sweatshirt, hat, poster, tote bag, and sticker, um, all based around the phrase, Oklahoma is worth the work. And I've gotten a ton of really good feedback from, I mean, honestly, people of all backgrounds and ages. It's been kind of uh, affirming to see so many folks chime in to say, oh, I love this new merch. Um, you can pre-order through the end of March, and then we will print them and, and either have them pick up or delivery uh, in April. You guys, I, I got to say, and this is not just a shameless plug, but it is it is a shameless plug. It's so good. Like, the merch is so good. I I might say, I mean, it's just hard because we've had several kind of iterations of shirts and logos and, and monograms and things. This might be my favorite version. I don't know. It's, I, I agree. It doesn't. It's, it's really, it's really, really cool. It, I think they're really cool. And. I did not design them. We worked with the folks at ShopGood in downtown Oklahoma City for the design, and they are the ones doing they, – they hand print every item, so they're the ones that are going to do that. In fact, I'm going to go today and buy some merch. All right. Off of our website. Good for you. Because it's that. Like, I'm going to buy it. Thank you. I also just now realized I didn't bring this up in the meeting, uh, in the board meeting earlier, but I should have. I'll send an email to the board and remind them about our merch. Um it is very cool, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't say let's fix this on it anywhere. That was a bit of the point, right? <clears throat> this, I think, what we're all working on, Scott and listeners, hopefully know this as well, is that this is bigger than our than one organization. This is a collective effort of many organizations, many, many, many thousands of people across the state um, that are working to make Oklahoma better because we believe that Oklahoma is worth the work. And I know that it is hard on weeks and months like this where we have uh, bills that have been passed that target marginalized communities that are hurtful and hateful. 
um, and it feels like the state is not worth the work. You feel like you want to give up and leave. I get that. And I don't fault, honestly, I don't fault people who do. Like, I get it. If it was, you know, if it was me, if I felt like I was completely unwelcome here and I wanted to move away, I get it. Um, moving is not an option for everybody for economic reasons, logistic reasons, whatever. Um, and I believe, right, that while we are not where we want to be right now, that in the next two, four, six, eight, ten years, we are going to see a subtle at first and then dramatic shift in a positive direction for our state. Um, but we can only do that with your help, with guests, with um, with our guests' help, with listeners, with volunteers, and with folks that are willing to help us do the work. So if you listeners believe, like I do, that Oklahoma is worth the work, go to letsfixthis.org slash worth the work, and you can uh, – pre-order a shirt or two you can uh you can buy some merch and then if you're if you really feel led by the spirit you can go up to the top right hand corner of the website and there's a uh, little yellow but little yellow button there that says donate um money money is necessary money is required it's not the only it's not the only thing that we need but it but it is one thing that we need and it's so, true um if you want to if you want to there's there's a get involved button there and that's there's tons of great opportunities t- tons of great opportunities there um, but if, if volunteering is not for you, whether it's because of time or, you know, uh, being around people or wh- whatever, whatever reason, if you, if you want to help, you can certainly donate and every, literally every dollar will be put to good use. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Scott, as we talk about current events, uh, beyond merch, where do you want to start today? Should we start with the election? Should we should start yeah. with, start with, eight, start with eight twenty on Tuesday? Yeah. So, uh, eight state question, eight twenty, man. You know, you know how much do they wish it was state question 420, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, SQ 420, that'd be something. But state question 820, this is recreational marijuana. Uh, uh, moving away from our uh, uh, our medical marijuana system that was established, again, by initiative petition a few few years ago. Um, medical marijuana, or as the Tulsa the Tulsa World Editorial Board called it this, this week, weed by the wink. Yeah. Uh, which is... <laughs> Just, I mean, I want that on the T-shirt too. We yeah. by the wink, essentially saying that in Oklahoma, we we basically have recreational marijuana. We just don't call it that. Um, and this would this would allow adults age twenty one and up to purchase marijuana for their own recreational use, uh, decriminalizing its possession uh, and consumption. Um, uh, and it would also allow us to tax it in a way that we don't currently and regulate it in a way that we don't currently. So, um, well, I think the regulation would be the same, but it is a higher tax rate for the recreational than it is just for the medical. It's yeah, the same that's, product. That's, that's true. That's true. There, Essentially, it makes a medical card a discount card. Right. 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 Um, so, so that's 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 coming up on Tuesday. Um, I think it's going to pass. Andy, what do you think? I think if voters turn out in support of it, it'll pass. It's really a game of turnout, right? And you have to think, <clears throat> who, who is going to vote? Who are the people that are most motivated to vote on either side of this issue? Right. Um, and are the people who don't want this motivated enough to go to the polls and vote no? Anecdotally, I don't think so. Do you think it's different in rural areas than it is here in the metro? I mean, maybe because there is such a problem with illegal grow farms in rural communities that I think there there probably is some resistance um, in in some of those areas of the state. But there's also in rural parts of the state potentially a lot of economic opportunity, right? Right. Um, because I think this would you now. You tell me if I'm wrong. This would change how you can how you can have a grow farm, right? Like the licensing process. And, oh, you know, I'm whatnot. not sure about that. That's a good question. Um, and so it might make it, you know, it, it might make more of an opportunity for um, for grow operations in rural Oklahoma. I'm not positive about that, but you could be right. There could be some well well organized and well funded op- opposition um, from that sector. But I just anecdotally, I don't know of anyone who is like viscerally opposed to this. Um, and I know former Governor Frank Keating. Well, sure. But I know lots of people that are mm-hmm. enthusiastically supportive. Yeah, you know the I've, some of the commercials that I've seen that are from the No campaign. I even saw an ad on Instagram. Uh, no, it wasn't an ad. It was a post from the Oklahoma City Chamber that said like marijuana results in more 
workplace injuries. And it was like a picture of a guy like holding his knee and he dropped his hard hat. And I was like, are they saying like smoking weed makes your knee hurt? This seems, it was just kind of a funny ad. I, I, I think, have a lot of patients who use it for their knee pains. So. Right. I was going to say, I think the opposite might be true. It seems like a lot of the no campaign uh, messaging has been um, like, the old reefer madness, like it's gonna, it's gonna, it's coming for the kids, and they're all gonna be potheads and stoners all the time. And a lot of it is kind of untrue. Like there was a thing that was like, what's gonna stop someone from walking into your private business and just lighting up a joint? It's like, well, the same laws that prevent them from lighting up a cigarette today, right? right. Like you can't smoke weed anywhere, you can't smoke tobacco. It's all those are all the same. So that stuff is not going to change. I I will say. Um, smoking is not allowed at most establishments now, right? Like it's right. Rel- relatively few places can you smoke in public unless it's like on the bar at a patio or something, right? Yep. I smell weed everywhere. Yeah. Like all the t- like all the time. And, you know, I don't want that to particularly get any worse. Like I would like there to be better policing of like, no, no. Like I know it is, you know, I know it is your medicine mm-hmm. um, or, or that's how you use it. But like – you can't just like light up a joint or like bust out your vape pen right um right here in the middle of this crowd yeah i think what i notice and i'm curious about the rates that i think you know tobacco rates have been falling steadily for quite some time and then this is like a new relatively new thing right and and obviously marijuana smoke like has a particular smell so it's a little more noticeable um and we'll see. Also, it depends on where you go, right? Like, if you're in, you know, there's lots of parts of town where, like, I smell it, and it's because there's a dispensary right there. Well, I also smell yeah. pizza by Little Caesars. Sure. But I don't, you know, alert the police about that. So Sure, sure. Um, It'll be, I mean, it just I, the other night I went for a run in my neighborhood, and it was, I hadn't done that in well, way too long, several months. And it was a very nice evening. It was very still. So the wind was not blowing smells away. And it was interesting to like run around and like smell like pinion wood at some houses and like, you know, burgers on the grill and marijuana. Like you just kind of would smell the landscape of the neighborhood and you could be like, I can tell what people are doing just by the smell of what's happening. Pinion wood, weed and burger. Were you in Santa Fe? That's right. It was not (laughs) collectively not bad. Um, Yeah. So as a point of reference for numbers, because, well, we're a couple of wonks and this is a wonky podcast. Um when state question 788 was on the ballot that's the one that legalized medical marijuana that was in june of 2018 so that was a um a june a primary election right for the governor's race so turnout then was going to be quite a bit higher right close to um close to 900,000 people i think the number of people who voted on state question 788 was about 780,000 people um, and it won with 57% of the vote, essentially. Uh, and so I don't think turnout's going to be that high. I would be amazed if we crossed 500,000. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And I mean, you're, you're correct. It's going to be who's more, who is more interested, the people that really want it or the people that really don't. Right. And, and who is motivated enough to go vote? I think this is the tricky thing for a lot of Oklahomans. It is one issue on the ballot. This is the only thing on the ballot. There's no candidates. There's nothing else. It's just this. And so will voters be convinced to vote because your voice matters? Like this is an election where every vote really will count because with with low participation, right? Like essentially your vote kind of counts more. Like you have an outsized proportional vote in this case. It is also possible that turnout is depressed, not only because it's a single issue, but because I think a lot of people assume it's going to pass. Right. So, right? so if you are like, a supporter. Oh, it's, I, don't, I don't need to go vote. It's going to pass. Yeah. You know, med- medical passed, recreational passed. You know, um, um, it is also possible that the yes campaign, people will be less motivated because, I mean, I think right now, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. I think right now. Anyone who wants to smoke weed in Oklahoma can because literally anyone can get a medical card from right. the doctors that are right. giving, out, giving out medical cards. And so maybe some of the yes people are like, I mean, uh, okay, like I'm for it, but like I don't need to go vote for it because I already have my card. So I already have all the weed that I want. Mm-hmm. 
right? I already have my dispensary that I go to, or I already have my, you know, whatever the infrastructure that I need in my life to use marijuana, I already have that set up. Right. So I don't, I don't need anything to change to use this in the way that I want and in the way that I find helpful. So I'm not as motivated to go vote for this because if it passes, nothing in my life will change. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think what's interesting to me is part of what we hear people talking about is only about the marijuana legalization or you know recreational piece of it. What isn't talked about enough, and I think th- this has been the conversation in my household, you know, my wife is a social worker, as is yours, um, is about the other components of this policy, right? The criminal um, legal reforms, right? So it it essentially decriminalizes possession and it is retroactive. So anyone who is currently incarcerated um, for simple possession up to, I think it's one ounce is in, is in there, they have a, it's a one page, like a very simple form that they can now use to expunge their record. Or if you have a, a past conviction, it can be expunged. So anything that in the past that happened that would now be legal under this measure, it's like fully retroactive. What if you're currently in prison for that? Um, so there's um, there is a process. There, they, I think in the policy, there's an expedited process for that. They the the campaign that's identified, I think, thirty thousand Oklahomans that have past convictions that would fall under this that they can get them expunged um obviously if you're incarcerated for this for possession plus some other issues those other issues are still there um the other thing that is you know the byproduct of this measure that's important to consider is the financial ramifications for the state all right it's like an extra 150 million dollars they estimate um and that the group that they use to estimate those numbers has a track record of, of making pretty accurate or at least conservative estimates, not overpromising, right? And and I think that extra money coming into the state is some of it is earmarked for certain things, right? For the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, for common education, for um, enforcement, right? For um, those kind of things. And I think that, you know, in a state that is underfunded in all kinds of ways, extra revenue that is recurring like this is uh, something to consider uh, pretty heavily. 100%. 100%. Well, is there anything else to say about no about, uh, about weed in the wink? <laughs> weed by the wink. Uh, you know, polls are open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You, you, you got to vote. Like, whatever your position is on it, if you want your side to win, you got to vote. It's very important. And you should just go vote because you're a member of society and that's part of our obligation. It's to the right other. thing to right. do. Right. Go vote. Yeah. Even if you don't really care about the turnout, you should care about voter participation. And you, you can you can play a role in demonstrating that Oklahomans really care about issues that affect in their state. That's exactly right. We've got some kind of uh, you know money music here. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. I should have played that when I mentioned the financial impact. There you right? go. There you go. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So beyond the election, it's been a tumultuous week at the state capitol. Yeah, a couple. There's a couple. A couple big things that happened. A couple little things that happened. One. One thing that. Um, uh, occurred uh, yesterday, I believe, or Thursday, and the governor signed it yesterday, was an adjustment to the LEAD Act. This is the financial incentive package that was passed uh, a year ago uh, in an effort to try and land a battery plant from Panasonic that did not pan out. Uh, they made some changes to it uh, this year um, in order to try and land a, a battery manufacturing facility from a Volkswagen um, that also didn't wagged away. I don't know. Walked walked away. I was trying to because you're trying to make a Volkswagen pan, cause, joke. Because Panasonic didn't pan out and Volkswagen vaulted. Nope. Nope. Oh, mm, sad it's trombone. Good yeah. Sad trombone. Um. The uh. I don't. It's over here somewhere. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. No. It. Um. The Volkswagen has not come to Oklahoma. There. They uh, located. Interestingly, the word on the street was that they were going to put their plant in Canada. Mm-hmm. It seemed interesting to me that uh, it was coming down to uh, 
Canada or or Mid-America Industrial Park, but it turned out to be neither of those. The Volkswagen plant is going to South Carolina. So I think so. That seemed I think when I looked it up I was like that caught me off guard. Yeah. Although that news story said it was where they're going to build their scout vehicles, which is like remember the old mm-hmm. it's kind of like a predecessor yeah. to the yeah. uh it was the International Scout predecessor to the Bronco back in yep. the 60s. Yep. I guess Volkswagen owns Scout now. That makes sense. There's like three car brands that own everything, right? Right. Yeah. So I don't know um, if I didn't actually see if they've announced where they're going to build that battery factory. Is it the same thing? I, I thought it was the same. I thought it was both in South Carolina, but is it, is it not? I don't know. I Googled Volkswagen battery plant and all I can find is that they are still discussing. It's all the stuff that's like the board was going to discuss them um beforehand oh this is while the committee this is from reuters while the committee is expected to approve a site for its scout brand in the united states discussions around a gigafactory are open-ended the sources said other issues on the meeting agenda blah 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 um so one production plant and one battery cell factory so i guess the production plant is in south carolina and i guess they haven't announced the battery thing yet Interesting. So maybe we are still in the running. Yeah, we're just talking out of our asses, Scott. Uh, we don't know. We do that from time to time. We do. Um, it depends if the uh, if the Volks vaunt it. I think that's the. There it was. There it was. <laughs> there it. That did. There. That did yeah. It. Great. But um, uh, so that that happened Thursday, and I guess this still is uh, still um, still still TBD whether or not uh, and, and the and the plant would be uh, like what thirty five hundred guaranteed jobs. I think is what. I think so. Uh, and and the location would be the Mid America Industrial Park, which, which is where Canoe is building their. Not they're not. There's some factory there for Canoe, right? Is there though? Well, they gotta, <laughs> does does Canoe actually produce anything? They haven't yet, but don't they? I mean, they have to build a factory in order to produce it. So they're probably in the factory building phase. I Are they? We should Google <laughs> updates on Canoe. Find out. Um. Um. And and you know that the that. That would be tremendous for Oklahoma if if that happens. So we will we will watch and wait and see how that develops. But um, a much more concerning uh, con- concerning concerning development from the legislature this week. The House uh, on Tuesday approved House Bill twenty one seventy seven by a vote of eighty to eighteen. This was a part of the, a party line. Uh, vote. This is a bill that bans insurance coverage for transgender health care, um, um, not only uh, for adult for children, but also for adults. Um, this was a very contentious um, discussion and a very, honestly, um, really just a, a pretty disgusting um, display from the the bill's authors, Representative Kevin West, um, also with um, some of the other reps that were uh, speaking in favor of it, Representative Jim Olson. Um, it, it's, 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 it's just a, it is a, it is a terrible bill that puts forward a terrible policy, um, that's going to hurt people. Um, it's, it's gonna, it's going to hurt people emotionally, mentally, and, and physically by denying medical care to, to one of the most at-risk groups, uh, in our community for no, for no other reason then that medical care makes some people uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel like this bill and all these trans bills fall under the category of a solution in search of a problem, right? That they are, and and that is a gentle way of saying it. I mean, these bills are targeted. This is, no, it's, uh, you know what, Scott, a better way to phrase it is that this is government overreach. Like this is the government stepping in, telling private citizens what they can and can't do with their private health care and it targets groups that are already marginalized for a myriad of reasons um it also uh undermines or takes away like parental control over their own families right and it like presupposes that doctors are maliciously out there trying to change the gender of kids which is not happening the the hypocrisy is just it's just mind-blowing i mean last week uh the week before all we heard 
all week in in relation to the voucher bill that's not really a voucher bill but really is a voucher bill um was that parents know best what parents know what's best for their kids we need to get government out of this parents need to be in charge of where their kids go to school parents need to be in charge of how their kids get educated parents need to be in charge of what their kids are taught parents need to be in charge parents need to be in charge parents know best parents need to be in charge get the government out of it unless unless it's a medical procedure um, or treatment that we are uncomfortable with. And what was astounding, right, is the bill's authors just ad- admitted, right? They they just came out and said, like, no, we actually haven't talked to any we haven't talked to any doctors, right? West, so, uh, uh, Kevin West said this, not to be confused with Representative Josh West. Um, Kevin West said this on the floor. Uh, he was asked, "What doctors have you spoken with?" He said, "I actually haven't spoken with any doctors." Yeah, right. Like this is. This and and this is not about healthcare, right? But and and they just sit and they espouse these things um, as though they're facts that have no basis in reality about how how harmful this type of care is, the damage that it's doing, the irreversible nature of it, the mental health effects, all of which is just bullshit, right? Right. Um, um, and then you ask him like, well, have you what what have the doctors said? Well, I didn't talk to any doctors. And then, you know, you ask them, someone did ask, well, what about the AMA, the AAP, um, the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, like all of these professional medical organizations that are in favor of this type of care? And his response was, well, they may have a different opinion on it than I do. Right. But the thing is, Representative, <laughs> in this instance, because of what it is, your opinion doesn't fucking matter. Right. Right? right. <laughs> like, well, and, um, or it shouldn't, at right. least, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's got something I didn't fully realize until just in the last few weeks is that um, doctor, and you can probably speak to this, but if you are a medical student, you're training to be a doctor, right? At some point, I guess, if you're, especially if you're a, um, specializing in OBGYN care, right? You've got to learn how to, a good medical education would teach you how to perform all of the procedures related to that specialty, which would include abortion and uh, various reasons right. why. Right. But because no facility is allowed to perform those in Oklahoma, every medical student that has to learn that has to travel out of state, like for that unit. Yeah. And that's, I mean, annoying, difficult, anyway. But for all the all of the medical students who are like already parents, right? Who have young children. I, you know, you and know, I have a friend who went to medical school and had young children, um, as families, other obligations to just like leave for four to six weeks to go train to do that is a huge burden, and in some cases not possible, and it jeopardizes the medical school's um, accreditation. It makes them less appealing. If you're a student trying to apply to a school, why would you apply to go to a school where you know you can't get the full education you need? Like there's a lot of considerations right. here. Right. Well, I mean, and it's similar. It's, it is honestly, in some ways it's similar to, it is similar to the politicization of COVID, right? Like sure. it's this idea that, um, you know, because science points to something that you either don't understand or don't like, that must mean that that science is political, right? Right. And that's that's not true, right? It may make you uncomfortable that there are teenagers who have, you know, uh, uh, who are trans and who want to transition to their gender with which they identify that may make you uncomfortable, but the science is clear that in many cases, I'm not going to say all cases because this is complicated, but in many cases, allowing that transition to happen under the care of physicians who are experts at facilitating that kind of medical care is the best thing for the child. Right. 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 That may make you uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that they have some political agenda, right? right? It means that they're trying to take the best care that they can of their patient. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. You know, and, and I say it's similar because you may not think that COVID vaccines are effective. The data is very clear that they are. And just because the data says that doesn't mean that COVID vaccination is a political plot, right? <laughs> right. right? Like, like 
the right, they are the ones who are making this a political issue when it really just needs to be a medical issue. And they are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, you and I have sometimes on, on the show and other times off the show gone round and round about how much I hate the phrase common sense um, as it applies to politics mm-hmm. because um, it, common sense, the use of the phrase common sense implies that a problem has a very simple solution. Like I saw this week, uh, freaking like Marco Rubio, I think, put out a tweet that like, because um, there's a report from the Department of Energy that says they, the Department of Energy has concluded with low confidence that the COVID-19 pandemic likely originated from a lab outbreak in Wuhan. And Marco Rubio is like, so now the Department of Defense and common sense, or the Department of Energy and common sense confirm like what we all know to be true. Right. And my reaction to that was like, yes, because common sense is the rubric that we should lie on, rely on in like virology evolution and research. Right. Because that's very... Like, it's just common sense how viruses evolve. <laughs> right. Right? Like, when you say it like that, it sounds absurd. Right. Because it is. Like, the issue of the issue of transgendered persons, particularly teenagers, making the decision or not to transition is complicated. Like, it's complicated. Um, and the idea that, like... Well, common sense tells you that there's just two genders. I mean, that's a straw man. It's a cop out. It's right. Like it's bullshit. Right. Right. Um, anyway. Well, and you know um, about some of these bills. So, Representative Jim Olson, right, was one of the authors of some of the trans legislation, and he said on the floor, "quote You cannot change your gender. Delusional play acting will not suffice in the long run." And he instead, you know, that suggested that those. His words, struggling with gender identity, need, quote, wise and clear biblical guidance. Well, that is um, not the way the law works, right? We have a separation of church and state, and so biblical guidance is should have no bearing on law any more than, like, Quran guidance right. or I Ching or anything else, right? right. Like right. any other stoic philosophy of which I enjoy, right? Like, there's this doesn't necessarily... Right. Forming the basis for our government. We don't consult the Tibetan Book of the Dead when we're writing law. Right. 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 Maybe we should. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't read it. Apparently, it's fascinating. But Interesting. Not not so much for the use in setting public policy. Right. Right. No, and, you know, so in response, right, um, House Majority, or excuse me, House Minority Leader um, Cindy Munson, you know, said this cookie cutter legislation, because this has been used in other states right it's like verbatim copy and paste it's an al is this, this is an alec bill i think so but yeah. don't hold me to that um this cookie cutter legislation that has spread like wildfire wildfire across the country to demonize and villainize a group of people so that you can win an election you are better than that and this type of legislation the debate we have on the floor they harm people that's why people are yelling and walking out of the gallery and it was a pretty contentious day out there and you know i i talked to some folks this week about it who were frustrated or disappointed in the behavior of some of the trans supporters who were there and um i get that conflict makes a lot of us uncomfortable and you know they were like i feel like there's a better way and i said there probably is and i would have loved that this was an issue that we didn't have to address that was wasn't even on the right. floor, right? Right. Ideally, this doesn't come up as a bill because everyone in leadership knows this is hurtful and harmful to Oklahomans. And I said, but when people feel, not when they feel, when people's lives are under attack and all of the traditional methods have been fruitless, like when all you have left to do is stand in the gallery and shout at the people that are passing laws to hurt you, I get it. Right, because that's the thing. This bill will hurt people, yeah, right? right? Right. It is not simply that it is bad policy. It is bad policy that will cause harm and could cause someone or many people their lives. You know, um, transgendered teens, LGBTQ uh, teens are the highest, uh, the, have the highest risk of suicide for any group in our community. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, that, that's. And when they feel like the state that they live in is unwelcoming to them. 
they can't they can't move well, on their own, right? And they they very well may take other actions that are that are hurtful and harmful. And and I would actually take it a step further. It is not only when they feel that the state is unwelcome to them, it is when they feel hopeless, right? Right. Right. Like it's not just that this place it's not it's not just that this makes it feel like people don't like me. Um it is this is a place that one does not accept me for who I am and two does not give me any hope of being who I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty dark fucking place. Yeah. 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 But Speak, one was I speaking of causes of death for young people. Uh, guns is the highest cause man. of death of young people in this country and this state. So you got there in a different way. I was going to say there was. <laughs> I was going to say there was one bright spot this week, but you, you, uh, you, Maybe you, the, you stayed down there. The dark transition. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm. I am certain that many of our listeners have probably seen the clip online, if not the full episode of the problem with John Stewart, which is his new show on Apple TV. It's kind of like the Daily Show used to be. It's very yes. similar to the old Daily Show. Yes. It's um, so this week. I just oh, it just makes me so happy. Um, so John Stewart <coughs> decided this week uh, the problem with John Stewart um, was the problem is the problem with crime with crime, and uh, that led to a discussion of guns and gun regulation and gun rights. And he decided to have on his guest uh, to have on as his guest. Um, one Senator Nathan Dom of uh, Oklahoma and uh, Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow fame, and uh, I can't say friend of the show. I might say, is he nemesis of the show? I guess That's Scott Pruitt, but he's yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and and so, um, man, without with without me giving away too much because I want our listeners to enjoy it, it was very cathartic because it was John Stewart saying everything to Nathan Dom that I have ever wanted to say to Nathan Dom about literally any issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, please watch and enjoy. I was going to layer in some of the audio here, but I think that's a better approach is to, uh, to let folks go watch it for themselves. If you follow John Stewart on Twitter, he posted a link. I think I saw a five minute video. Another one was eight minutes of like the full interview with Nathan Dom. I didn't get as much enjoyment from it as you did. I don't think because it makes Nathan Dom look bad as a person and elected official. Like, but it also, I think, I fear, just makes us as a state. Like, he, he represents us poorly. I hate when we're in the news because of the the worst among us. I mean, you are not wrong about that at all. Um, at like, all, it's like the the you know Florida man is like a pervasive meme, right? Just like sure about people in Florida doing wacky things and sure and i think oklahoma man is a close second i mean that's fair um that's fair and you're you're certainly you're you're not wrong um however you know he's gonna represent us poorly no matter what so from my perspective like if someone like if someone of the uh intellect and wit of john stewart um, has the opportunity to call him out because this is one of the things that I think that happens with with folks like Nathan Dom, right? He never is in the position where he just has to list, like, to sit mm-hmm. and listen to someone call him out on his bullshit, right? 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 right. He literally never, right? Like, it doesn't happen at the legislature, right? Um, or if it does, it it's it's you know not in a way that that anyone ever knows about. Um, we know that he doesn't really have many friends uh, at the state house, right? Um, and and I don't know that he is, I don't know that I don't know that the senator is self aware enough to experience humiliation, um, but just even even eight minutes of him just having to sit while someone like calls out to his face um, the danger and hypocrisy of what he is doing, even if he remains in denial. I don't know for better or for worse. It probably that probably doesn't speak very good of me, but it. Um, it gave me some some comfort. Well, I think, you know, my interactions with Dom have been non-existent aside from just seeing his press releases come out um, for the bills he files. And I often ask questions at my monitor of like, why would you file this? And what about this? And try to poke holes in his logic or reasoning. And that's what John Stewart got to do in real time. Right, right. right. Um, and try to make comparisons to be like. But I think 
I think Stuart like is genuinely trying to understand. He's like, help me understand why this is. And the fault there is that he's trying to apply reason and logic to a person or situation for whom those do not matter. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, so there's, I mean, there's so much we could talk about every week. A couple of things that I wanted to highlight coming up about the, well, first, let's pull back and discuss where we are in the legislative calendar, right? So um, listeners who follow legislation probably know Thursday, this past Thursday was the uh, committee deadline um, in both chambers, right? So that's the deadline that bills have to pass out of committee in their chamber of origin, right? House House bills out of the House committee, Senate bills out of their Senate committees, and then they would go from the committee to the floor. So there's still time for them to go to the floor and be voted on. And so any bill who didn't get a committee hearing or at this point is essentially dead. Now we know there's zombie bills and that sometimes doesn't play out that way, but generally speaking, any bill that wasn't heard in committee is dead. And the next step is for bills to to be scheduled to be heard on the floor and to potentially pass the floor. Some bills won't be scheduled. Some bills will be scheduled um, and will not pass. But I think the, the biggest hurdle is ones that just don't don't get hurt. And so lots of good bills died, right? There was lots of good bills that were never given a hearing in committee, even if they were really good legislation. Um, it also means that some really bad bills weren't hurt, right? Several of the bills that would have changed the initiative petition process, like all those shell bills that were filed, the Election Reform mm-hmm. Act of 20, mm-hmm. like none of those were ever heard. None of them got language. And so I think some folks like me like breathe a little bit easier knowing that they're not currently floating around out there. But it's Four days, man. It could pop back up, right? One, one thing I will say to that, um, or I should say that that is related to this. Um, the the bill we were just discussing, uh, House Bill twenty one seventy seven. Um, there's there are there are, there's similar bills in the Senate. Um, I was in a meeting earlier this year, um, just before session started, with some other folks and some lobbyists and just folks that are involved at the Capitol. And and this one is one of the bills that came up. And I asked the question. Do we think that these are bills that are going to be signed into law or are these are these bills that are messaging, right? An opportunity uh-huh. for lawmakers to say, yeah, oh, yeah, I've, I voted for that without ever having to face any actual consequences for the policy becoming law. Um, and at that time, I don't know if this has changed, but at that time, the thought seemed to be that these were bills that would get through committee, pass the floor in their chamber of origin, move to the other chamber and might not ever be heard in the other chamber. Right. That way, everybody's gotten a chance to vote on one. Everybody's gotten a chance to say that they're anti-trans and be on the record for that. Right. Um, but no one has to actually deal with the fallout of of these bills passing and, and becoming law. So I do think we can hope um, that that's the case. That doesn't make that doesn't make this week any less, um, you know. Uh, insulting and discouraging and and you know whatever other adjective you want to throw in there um for folks in the trans community but but hopefully um these bills don't don't actually ever get signed yeah you know i would hope i don't know if any members of the media listen to our podcast but if they do i would like to see the same fervor of headlines that say anti-trans bills defeated Sure. That we see with anti-trans bills proposed, right? Sure. The fact that bills got proposed and passed from committee or the floor gets a lot of headlines as well it should because people need to know about it. But I think we should also talk about when bad stuff loses because otherwise I think the general public is left with the impression that if it was proposed, they got passed, and that's not always the case, Yeah. right? Agreed. I'd love to see front page of the paper, anti-trans legislation defeated in right. big capital letters. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? Um, and I think a big pushback on like, listen, guys, like uh, we should celebrate wins when they happen. And it, it's sad that you know, merely surviving is considered a win in some mm-hmm. cases. But mm-hmm. um, And even if it's not, I'd love to see these bills go down, like people vote them down. Yeah. But I think what you said is true. They will probably just not put it up for a vote. And it'll just like 
go quietly into the night right. and then I think still be eligible to be heard next year, right? right. Which right. might be – which is, uh, you know, I think gives us some heartburn for the next session but also yep. means that there's a some reason for temporary celebration at least. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up for today, I want to – I know we've talked a lot about the election that's coming this coming Tuesday – Hopefully you listen to this before then and you, or you just vote before you listen to this. Either way that you vote on Tuesday. But listeners, mark on your calendars that we also have an election in many parts of the state, including all of Oklahoma County, on April 4th, right? The elections don't – this is the – I think this is the last currently scheduled election of the calendar. There are potential elections every month, but this is the next one. And this election is important for a couple of reasons – um, if you live in Oklahoma City, Ward 5, you have a runoff election for the uh, your city council member between Matt Hinkle and Toon Nguyen, I believe, are the two that are running. So if you live in Ward 5, which is in South Oklahoma City, you have a runoff. And then anybody, if you live anywhere in Oklahoma County, you have the general election for the Oklahoma County clerk, right? This is a position that no one ever talks about. It's kind of a under the radar, somewhat boring job, but they have a seat on the county budget board. Which is a big deal. Which is a big deal because they, you know, in some way, like oversee the budget for the whole county, which is a gobs oh, of money. A, a lot of money. And that includes the county jail, which I know a lot of people have a lot of feelings about and is pretty important. And shaping the future of things is, is a big deal. Um, so that race is between Republican Marissa Treat who is, that name is familiar. She is the wife of current Senate pro tem Greg Treat. And then the Democratic candidate is um, Reverend Derek Scobie, who is the pastor at uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church, right, in Oklahoma City. Um, so um, both of these folks, I think, come with a lot of support from their communities. Big race, big race. Um, and this is, I think, just looking at the makeup of the of the county government, the county budget board. This is very important. In the primary, which was back in February on Valentine's Day, right? Um, the turnout collectively for the Democratic and the Republican primaries for this race didn't even total 30,000 voters. Scott, do you know how many voters are in Oklahoma County? A lot. A lot more than 30,000. 400,000. You're very close. 432,000 Look voters. at that. Look at that. So turnout in February was only 7%, right? There were more votes cast in the Democratic primary than there were in the Republican primary. Now, this may be indicative of – this could be indicative of support. Um, I mean, there were you know, several candidates in each race. Um, but who knows? But I think when it comes to April, there will be – there's not other city council races besides Ward 5. So I think it would – be natural to expect turnout to be even lower uh, in April. And so listeners, wherever you are in Oklahoma County, if you live in Oklahoma County or you have friends that live in Oklahoma County or family, you've got to tell them and remind them repeatedly to vote on April 4th because turnout really going to matter. When it's down to that small, right, only 7% or 6% of voters, every vote counts. Yeah, I mean, the winner could win by like, 27 votes, right? Like it could be down to single digits or double digits, very, very close. And so turnout is a big, big deal. Lest we forget, a couple of years ago, um, in Virginia, control of the Virginia State Legislature came down to one vote. Did it really? In one district. Whoa. That's impressive. Yeah. Every vote and you, matters. You know, there's someone who's like, oh, I just got home and was too tired and forgot to go, right? And so... I mean, f full disclosure, listeners, it happens to the best of us a couple of weeks ago <laughs> in the city council race. On, uh, in February, yeah. In February, I um, um, I had had I had been at work, and then I'd had a meeting at the Capitol, and then I got home, and it was literally five minutes until seven. I texted Andy, and I was like, oh, man, I did not get I, – I couldn't vote before work, and then I was in this meeting, and Andy – literally text me back in all in all caps and was like dude you have four minutes <laughs> and i was like you're right okay. i do i have four minutes uh and my polling place fortunately is just a block or so away from my house i i raced over there and i i i walked in at uh 658 uh was the last 
So the last vote counted. They said they officially announced that the plo- the polls are now closed as I was running my ballot through the scanner. Um, That's pretty so, cool just yeah. to be there to be the last one. Yeah, man. I'm proud of you for doing that, Scott. Yeah, you know, I know. I mean, we've all gotten home and been like, ah, I don't want to do it. What does it matter? Right? Yeah. Well, in races like this, it really can it, matter. It can. It can. So don't be like me. <laughs> don't be like me. Vote early. Yeah. Vote, vote early. And if you forget to vote, text a friend that you know will motivate you to get to the polls. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna remind you on the podcast several times between now and April fourth. But if you've got your phone out handy right now, April fourth, election day, Oklahoma County, put it down. And furthermore, if you want to help us get out the vote, um, we're gonna be doing some text banking. I know many of you helped uh, join with us last fall in text banking before the general election. Um, for elections like this, like it is worth you know putting some time and effort into it. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of money if you want to help donate so that we can do more of that. Uh, that'd be great. But, you know, our my hope is that we can reach like 10,000 voters. Um, just remind them about this election. And again, if turnout is only going to be around 30,000, well, then doing what we can to reach voters could make um, a big impact in the in the outcome of the election. So, uh, you know, we're nonpartisan. We don't tell them to vote for any candidate or against anybody. We just want folks to vote. Just um, decisions are made by those who show up. That's exactly right. Let's end there, Scott. All right, listeners, um, thanks for being with us today. Scott, thanks for being with us today. Always. Um, so while you have your calendar out, March 7th is the vote for State Question 820. April 4th is the next election date. Um, if you'd like to volunteer with Let's Fix This to help us get out the vote, to help us plan our um, annual civics convention civics con um, you know let us know about that we would love to get you more plugged in with civic life in Oklahoma um, that's why we're here we can help connect you with us or with another organization that's uh, maybe a specific area if that's your interest um, if you have questions want to do that email us podcast at let's fix this.org uh, I will be on the lookout and make sure that those connections get made and uh, Scott Say again what you just told us. Decisions are made by those who show up. Have a good week.